Hey Star Wars fans, welcome to another episode of the Jedi Council. It is not just another episode, it is the first episode of 2020 and we are kicking it off with an absolute storm for you. We are going to be jumping into the breakdown feelings of the Rise of Skywalker and before we do that, let me introduce myself. For those of you that have never joined us before and you're finding us for the first time, welcome. For those of you that are returning for another listen, thank you very much for coming back. Thank you very much for your friendship, for your loyalty. I am your host, Alex, and it is good to be back behind the mic uh, to go through this. And I am not alone. Doing a Rise of Skywalker podcast would be incredibly dull if I was. We have a full house of council members uh, which is a, a, a fine thing to have, especially for this particular topic. And joining me today means, of course, we do have the First Lady of the Jedi Council, Mera. Say hello, Mera. Hello, Mera. Hello. We also have the good buddy and brother in the force, Dave. Say hello, Dave. Hello, Dave. Hello, Dave. We also have Mr. Lego joining us. Andy, say hello, Andy. Hello, Andy. And last, but no, by means least, uh, Mr. Contrary himself, Alistair Clark. Say hello, Ali. Hello, Jedi Council. And can I just say, the Council is in session. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, I knew that was coming. I think that's why I left you till last, mate, because I knew you were going to do that because we had a side conversation saying that you would. Well, now, now I've realised that's what you meant to say at the beginning of every episode. I'm now just going to do it. <laughs> Unless I did before you in future episodes, but we will get into that at another time. So, guys, <laughs> it is good to be back behind the mic. For those of you that do listen regularly, will know that uh, Ali, Dave, and I had a very impromptu uh, gathering directly after Ali and I came out of the cinema to watch The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, so, you've heard some of our thoughts of the movie. The whole point of this particular podcast, we're going to go through it in a little bit more detail. I'm kind of thinking, and we all kind of think this, that this will be one of many, uh, mainly because we do tend to go into the minutiae of the detail. Uh, but before we go into everything, Mera, Andy, you guys haven't given us um, any of your thoughts initially around how you felt coming out of the cinema. And correct me if I'm wrong, you both have only seen this film once, that's right? That is correct. That's right. So yeah, it's, it'd be good to get, give our listeners a bit of a feel as to your thoughts and feelings coming out of the of the cinema scene. Mera, I'm going to hand over to you first, if you don't mind. You've walked out the cinema after cinema as a Skywalker. How was you feeling? What was you thinking? Um, that there was a lot that I just saw and I needed to digest and see it again. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to see it again. But I walked out um, liking it. That was my general consensus. And I, and I want to see more. I mean, there were some things that not many to my surprise that I left me like hmm but um there are some other things that I feel um and I don't know if it was just me but I kind of feel um other than Luke's death what what was um the last Jedi I, I kind of feel like that was not even alluded to by much um that could be just me but <laughs> I liked it. I want to see it again. I want to. I want to see uh, a little bit more of. Um, I. I'll be honest. I mean, I sat there with no expectation, and I had my yes moments, or I clapped, or um, cried almost, and uh, <laughs> it was very emotional. So, Andy. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I had high expectations for this film. I'm not going to lie. I had the same with Endgame being the end of that franchise. I had this and the, the Rise of Skywalker. Star Wars is my, my favorite franchise. Um, and yeah, it, I went in and it met pretty much every expectation I had. I think based on the chats we've had, possibly I'm rating it the highest of us all so far, um, which I mean, it's at least a nine in my book. I think the the way it was done, the, the sort of bag of washing inherited by JJ from The Last Jedi, which we will talk about again, I'm sure, was was handled really well, actually. I think I think he, he could do a limited amount with, with what he was left, and he did it really well. There's not a lot of change, to be fair. Um, there, were, there were wow moments. There were elements of fan service, but I, I, I quite like that. I wouldn't, again, wouldn't change anything like that. Visually, amazing. Sound, music, epic. Yeah, just I walked out and I thought, wow, I think that's one of the best films I've ever seen. High praise. Yeah, I, I suppose it is, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, that, that's my, my, my honest first thoughts. I mean, we're going back to middle of December now. It feels like about a month ago <laughs> with all what's happened over Christmas <laughs> and New Year. I've had a house full of relatives and stuff, but I'm, I'm desperate to see it again. I haven't had a chance over Christmas for, for various reasons, and I can't wait. Yeah, and I think just to kind of let our listeners know, we saw the midnight show in together. Um, prior, to, we did the triple header. So you yes. and I saw we saw the Force Awakens, twenty minute break, the Last Jedi, twenty minute break, straight into the Rise of Skywalker. And yeah. I think for me, anyway, having the movies back to back really emphasised a the difference in approach to each film, but then B, you can totally see JJ film, Ryan Johnson film, JJ film. And it was as clear as day that they were done by different people. It, it was, I'd agree with that. Definitely. Um, it really highlighted for me as well. Um, they're just the general poor, poorness, if that's even a word of, of the last <laughs> year. It, uh, it just, it was just flat. It, uh, I realise, having seen The Force Awakens again in the cinema, just how good a film it is. I don't think... I, I, I came out initially thinking, oh, that was a bit underwhelmed by that. It's a bit of a remake of A New Hope. And then and the second time round, just now, watching it, I think, actually, that, that stands on its own as a good film. It's not one of the best of the franchise. We know, obviously, the, the mm. previous ones are better, generally. I, we, we all seem to think they are. Um, but, yeah, The Force Awakens went up in my estimation. Um, the Last Jedi... Pretty much went down my estimation because stood stood together back to back. It was really poor, and then it went for me back up with the rise of Skywalker. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because when you think of when we both stepped out of the cinema at the end of the Last Jedi, I think we both commented and, and obviously we was there with your other half back in that the Force Awakens has a lot more joyful moments. We were we laughed collectively throughout yeah. at times <clears throat> the Force Awakens, whereas. I don't think we had a general LOL moment throughout any of The Last Jedi. And kind of, we both walked out and I think we kind of looked at each other and thought a bit like, actually, it really does show, in our opinion, I know there are listeners who do like The Last Jedi and I don't want to take anything away from them, but in our opinion, we've walked out and they're going, wow, it really does feel quite flat. 
Yeah, it does. And, and, and I said, we laughed at the time because Becky, my other half, obviously she's not a massive Star Wars fan. She does a lot of films, <laughs> but um, I can't remember the exact phrase she used now, but it was like, oh, that was awful or something after after the, what, can you remember, Alex, what she said? I can't remember what it was. Yeah, so we, we kind of just got to the end of the film. We turned around and kind of, you said to her, so what did you, she went, that was a bit crap, wasn't it? And that, that was it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which was quite a, a, a very succinct and scathing view of the last yeah, time. Yeah. But, um, we, we watched them both. I watched them with Becky at the cinema when they came out, but having watched them back to back, yeah, that was her opinion. And then, uh, she's exactly with me with the Rise of Skywalker. She thought it was awesome. She absolutely loves Ray. She wants to be Ray. <laughs> well, that's, that's that what these. Me, but, you know. Well, that makes. Does that make you Kylo Ren? Possibly. <laughs> but, um, just quickly touching on the last Jedi before we get into this, Dave, you mentioned to the group that at points over Christmas, you actually tried to watch it again, right? <laughs> well, what I attempted to do was watch the last Jedi before going in to watch um, the Rise of Skywalker. Um, because I saw Last Jedi once in the cinema in 2017 and never went back to it. And then, thanks to um, Catherine, your Catherine, um, I got my hands on a Blu-ray copy of the um, the Last Jedi because my opinion was I'm not even going to buy this this film. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll wait for it to be reduced in a bargain bin somewhere before I, I buy it. Um, that would that was I guess the, the the level of my disdain for the movie, um, and then I thought right well, on the run up to watching uh, Rise of Skywalker over a couple of months, I sat down with my with both my boys, um, and the the plan was to to work our way through each of the the saga movies, and to be fair, we included in that Rogue One because it ties so well into um, a New Hope, so. We, wa- we watched the saga movies and I left myself with enough time, 10 days, to watch Last, uh, Last Jedi. And twice I managed to fail to watch it. Once by actually choosing to watch Strictly Come Dance in the final. Um, <laughs> um, I love that. I absolutely love that. <laughs> Not Strictly, the fact that you did that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Well, the, the thing is, I've, my, my family... Or, um, Bits of my family enjoyed Strictly Come Dancing. And so what we've tended to do is my wife will come upstairs and she'll watch Strictly on the smaller TV upstairs, whilst me and the boys will sit downstairs and use the big TV and watch a blockbuster movie. And we've, we've done that over the, the, the course of this whole year. We've done various, or last year, we've done various different movies. Um, and Amy's always come upstairs and she's watched whatever, whether it's it's The Voice or whether it's Strictly or, or, or whatever whatever NAF TV's on on a Saturday night. So um, this this one time it was a case of, right, okay, right, guys, we're going to watch Last Jedi. We're going to watch Last... Oh, Strictly come dance in the finals on. Let's watch that. And it was just like... <laughs> I'm sat there a couple of days, a week or so before Christmas with a Christmas tree up watching Strictly Come Dancing rather than watching <laughs> Last Jedi and, and thinking, this is actually better TV. Um, but we did eventually... Um, so I then, so I never actually got to watch Last Jedi before um, going to watch Rise of Skywalker. Um, but 
I got to see Rise of Skywalker on opening night, midnight, and I thought, well, I'm not taking my boys to that. So I've got a couple more days before we actually take the boys over the Christmas holiday. So we, we went just before Christmas, um, and I thought, right, we're going to have to watch The Last Jedi now. Um, and so I sat both boys down in front of the, the, the TV, put on The Last Jedi, apologised to them, and then left them to it. Um, I can't remember what I did. I did, I did pretty much anything I could think of rather than sit and watch it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so you didn't actually see it? I didn't. I, I saw bits of it. It was a case of I was moving through the living room at various times whilst they were sat there watching it. Um, but, yeah. The, the, yeah. I didn't actually watch the movie, and I'm really proud of myself for that. Okay. No, the only reason why I ask is because I wanted to see if that changed your opinion. I'm going to assume not. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the scenes I saw reinforced. I don't. I don't know if I was just unlucky, and every time I went into the room, it was just as a really, really poor bit of the movie was happening. But from what I remember, the entire movie was poor. So I don't know if I just happened to choose bad bits, or if the entire movie was so bad that I, any time I'd walked in, I would have seen a bad bit. Now, that is quite a damning <laughs> conclusion of the last Jedi, isn't it? Yeah, a tiny bit. But you know, we've uh, we've we've all kind of gone over this, and I, I won't talk about it now. But nevertheless, you know, we've kind of gone through what we all feel about the last Jedi, and it's interesting because now we can actually jump into the Rise of Skywalker to see how it is the way we are when it comes to walking out of the cinema and for you listeners you know obviously we've done this previous podcast with the three of us but um there's a hell of a lot to untangle within the rise of skywalker and i think that's going to become evident in how we go through these podcasts it will be more than one i know it will be um but nevertheless let's jump into it so the first thing i want to have a quick discussion around is the opening crawl. Now, much has been said about it, and this, for me, is one of the most overly descriptive opening crawls in the whole saga. You know, it literally paints the clearest picture. Now, I know the rest of them have all been quite clear and and precise, but I don't know, there was something about watching this and reading the opening crawl, for me, that just kind of blew me away, and it's quiet brutalness of the way it was kind of positioned. I mean, how did you guys feel when you saw the opening crawl? Ali, I'm going to go to you because we were watching it together for the first time. I don't know if I'm the right person to start with, to be honest, Alex, because um, I'm probably the most negative on this film. Um, I just, I, I looked up an article today, which is 23 of the dumbest things about this film. And I only agreed with 15 of them. Um, So I, from, from the crawl, you straight away are into big problems with this film for me. Um, I've seen it three times. I've seen it with you. I've seen it with my girlfriend. I've seen it with my brother and his girlfriend. It's really interesting how every person I've seen it with has had a different reaction to the film. Um, I get why it's divided critics, why some critics it's 50%, so some like it, some don't like it. Um, I think that, so from the start, we see that a voice has spoken. And that voice was spoken on a video game which anyone under the age of about 21 probably hasn't played, Fortnite. So it, it, straight away, it has me on the back foot of 
Why did they do that as a as a decision? And then we we find out through various things that I you'll probably disagree with this, but I I think we did have Ryan Johnson explains. I think we've now got Chris Terrio oh. explains. As Chris Terrio seems to be going around and explaining all the decisions that happened. Um, he, he's actually been quoted on podcast saying that this, he wishes that he could have done a part one and a part two of this film mm. so that he could have added the context needed. And the reason I bring that up now is, is because there was so much behind that crawl, as you say, because it was so like, wow, OK, we're going straight into this, that actually needed some explanation and background which they couldn't do because obviously, as we now know, the editing was done as they were filming, as they didn't have enough time. Kathleen Kennedy was very much pursuing the the cinematography team to get it done on things that J.J. Abrahams wasn't dedicating enough time to it. We now know that that is fact. And you can see it from the start. You can absolutely see it. So I can think... I, can I just interrupt quickly there? Yeah, sure. Um, on the run-up to this movie... We were discussing it, and we all said, "Could this be a two-part movie?" Mm. It was it was voiced a few times by all of us because we were just there was so much ground that they need to now cover to try and get a story back. We almost have to build a story from scratch again. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, and and sorry because we're doing it chronologically. I'm I'm not all down on this film, by the way. That there are moments of genuine like parts where i laughed where i i cried uh, you know particularly in the second time i saw it but from the start i was straight away on the back foot sort of as you said alex it's wordy it's straight into a theme it didn't really link to what we'd seen in the last film it it was a very odd way for me to bring back a character and then it i'm sure we'll go into it with no explanation of how he returned it's a very odd way mm. to start a film so just on the crawl, let's let's for, for for those of you listening and just as a recap for us collectively, the crawl reads, the dead speak. Now I'm going to go into the rest of it in a second, but that's quite an introduction. So the full crawl is the dead speak. The galaxy has heard a mysterious broadcast, a threat of revenge in the sinister voice of the late Emperor Palpatine. General Leia Organa dispatches secret agents to gather intelligence, while Ray, the last hope of the Jedi trains for battle against the diabolical First Order. Meanwhile, Supreme Leader Kylo Ren rages in search of the Phantom Emperor determined to destroy any threat to his power. <clears throat> That's, that is a lot to take in. Um, and to your point, Ali, obviously mentioning there about this, this, this broadcast. Now, I've not listened to it. I, I've, I don't play Fortnite. I don't know what was said in that particular broadcast. And I take your point, but it, I don't know. I, I haven't listened to it. And I don't think I take, I've, I've felt any other way about it. I mean, I can take it or leave it. It's not impacted for me, the movie. It hasn't impacted for my enjoyment of the movie. We all know the Emperor's coming back because of that awesome reveal that was in Celebration. Um, but for me, this this painted a picture of, it isn't just him secretly becoming out into the open. He basically just went for the jugular to reveal to the whole galaxy, look, I'm back. And I, it was a brave move and question for all of us. I mean, do we think this was done to retrospectively give a villain after killing Snoke? Or is this something that, I mean, I, there's been quotes, but I can't can remember. I, and, can I jump in on that? Just yeah, go for it. Yeah. Point. So we know for a fact Colin Trevorrow 
who was originally directing, has come out and said he was not have brought Palpatine back. So we know that for a fact. When they started this film, the Emperor was not coming back. What what it shows is is that there was such a backlash to the Last Jedi through legitimate reasons, as we've discussed, that they had to unlock a way mm. to bring back a big bad. And and you know. For many people, it works. For some people, it doesn't work for, for various reasons. It doesn't make particular sense. But they clearly had to unlock it because they had to have a big bad because Ryan Johnson killed off Snoke. Yeah, I mean, Dave, you know, you, you watched it with our friend Scott. How, yep. You know, when, when, when you kind of sat down, got your popcorn up comes the opening crawl. What was you thinking? It was a strange opening crawl. I, th- I think, for me, of the entire movie, the opening crawl was the low point. Just because it didn't connect to the other movie, the previous movie. It didn't feel like we were picking up the next part of a trilogy. It felt like this is, if that had been the opening crawl for The Force Awakens, that would have worked. But 100%. the opening crawl, mm. opening crawl for the third part of a trilogy, it didn't work for me. It was, and, and I'm, I'm with Ali on this one, totally on, on, on with you here. Um, I. I the reason it's been done like this is because we walked away from the previous movie with no big baddie. Um, you had Kylo Ren, and I know that um, audiences have mixed opinions about him. Adam Driver is a great actor. Adam Driver has done a very good job with what he's been given, I think. Um, but for me, he is he's too... If, okay, if you if you jump to this, the the prequel trilogy, and you had the the rise of Anakin, you had the petulance of Anakin, you had the immaturity of Anakin as a character. You had that with the Kylo Ren character as well. Mm, true. But Anakin was never the big bad. He was always the understudy to the big bad. It's, it's funny you say that. I've, I've seen people articulate their opinion that Kylo Ren is the same as Darth Vader because Darth Vader was never the big bad. It was always the Emperor. Yeah. Now, while I understand the logic, not entirely sure I agree with it. In theory, was Vader the Emperor's henchman? Kind yeah. of. Well, that, but, that's what, exactly what he was. But when you look at Vader's entrance in A New Hope, he walked in on the Tantive Four. Everybody well, <laughs> knew he was the bad guy. The, the right? thing is, the thing is, A New Hope was a very different movie because the the sequel to A New Hope had Han, um, sorry, had Luke and Leia being chased on Mimban by Vader. There was no real mention of the Emperor other mm. than a, a passing comment about the Emperor's now um, um, dis- disbanded the Senate. 
and that's about it. You, the, you don't really see what the emperor is. For all you know, the emperor could be a a fairly benign ruler, and he just has these various different moths and and Darth Vader who are actually renegade generals and, and what have you who are ruling in his name and and destroying the galaxy. You don't really get a sense that it's the Emperor that's controlling everything in A New mm. Hope. And I think that was because when the movie was made, there wasn't a full story behind it. Um, there wasn't all of, of what we now know. Whereas you jump to... Return of the Jedi, and Vader is very much the henchman. And d- despite him being powerful, and despite mm. him being able to control fleets of his own, despite him putting the fear of God in in other Imperial officers, he was always second fiddle to the Emperor. And then if you jump to the prequel trilogy, you see how he becomes... The, the, the Emperor's lapdog, for want of a better word. Mm. And and for me, Kylo Ren, just to go back to, to where we're going with this, Kylo Ren fulfills a very similar type of role in one and two of this trilogy. But then when you remove Snoke from above him, there's no big bad. Because Kylo Ren doesn't inspire the same type of fear, the same type of... Um, of abject terror that Vader did. To be fair, he doesn't. He doesn't have the Vader presence. Mm. He still has the Anakin, wishy-washy. Sometimes he's he's very menacing. Other times, he's a bit of an emo on a on a ego trip. I completely agree with you, Dave. And I'd go further to the point that. He's never bested Ray in a fight. I, I agree. Yes. <laughs> so, so we know the he's big been shown his backside twice. Yeah, and we also know that he's always, from the moment that him and Han Solo had the conversation, we've always known that there was a huge conflict in him, uh, and we've all predicted the resolution would be that he would turn good. So we've yes. all suspected that from from that moment in the film. Because Can... as you say, it was wishy washy. It was never. For, for his character, and I think Kylo Ren has the best character arc, by the way, in the story. He does. But, but to, I agree with Dave, he was never that menacing bad presence because you always sense that there was good in him, that he was never quite sure, and mm. that he always got beaten when it came to the big fight. Can, can I stick up for Kylo Ren here? Just a tiny bit. When he first, had fought, when he first fought Ray, he had been shot with Chewie's bow cast in his hip. He was not 100% fit. He was not 100% on it. Let's be honest. And he was bleeding profusely from his side. To say no, he got I, beat I, is a little well, bit well, harsh, well, considering the well, disadvantage. I, I agree with that. However, <clears throat> he just bested a trained stormtrooper, who we know now finished top of his class, who we know had specialist combat training. Yeah. yeah he managed to beat him, and yeah. yet was then beaten by someone who'd never picked up anything like a lightsaber before. Yeah, but look at how Ray defended herself throughout the whole of the Force Awakens. She's clearly battle-ready. That's, not the, same as, that's exactly. not the same as formal combat training. Exactly, Dave. And, and, and it leads to a big problem about bloodlines. Is Star Wars really down to bloodlines? Is that what it boils down to? Well, no, it's this not. film, I didn't think it was. 
Well, it's not. It's it's an interpretation of what is powerful bloodlines, but it isn't all about bloodlines. Kiadi Mundi isn't a Skywalker or a Palpatine. No. Mace Windu isn't one either. And they were some of the most, two of the most powerful Jedis around. But a lot of people say the reason Rey can do what she did, jumping ahead massively here, is because of who her grandfather is. Yeah, but that's the same with Luke. That's Luke what I'm hit... about blood. That's about his dad. Yeah, no, but the thing is, that's only a small portion of the whole Star Wars universe. That's not everything and anything. That's a small portion. And, you know, if the people before make... you were... Yeah, but that's always been the case with Star Wars. Anakin Skywalker, a child of the midichlorians, fine. No, but it, Anakin and Leia have got inherent... Life. They've got inherent force abilities because of who their father was. Yeah. Same with Palpatine. But it, it's not the be-all and end-all. It's, it's part of it, but it's not everything. Well, it does appear if your father or mother is someone who's particularly powerful with the Force, then you will naturally be so as well. More so than anyone else. It, it completely rewrote everything by doing that. No, it didn't. It emphasised the fact that Skywalker and Palpatines are strong in the Force and maybe the strongest, aside from maybe Yoda. And I'm not even going to go into the whole baby Yoda thing for now. Um, but, <laughs> from a, you know, we, we, we have orphaned Jedi in the prequels. We know in Expanded Universe, or sorry, Legends, there was the same. You don't need to have parents who are strong in the Force to be a Jedi. Does it help? Probably. Well, no, like it does, Alex, because in the Clone Wars, we know from, from the cartoons that Anakin is literally the most powerful person other than the father. And now we know that a girl with no ability whatsoever can become Empress of the Universe if she chooses just because her granddad happens to be someone. Yeah, but that doesn't change all of Star Wars. It, 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 makes, it, it makes it basically a two-bloodline story. No, it doesn't. This, this, this nine-film trip. Yeah, it does. These nine films are a two-bloodline story. The film I'd argue it's a one bloodline story on well, the basis that well, the way it ends, yes. the Skywalkers. Well, no, no, the Palpatine created the Skywalkers. Well, they're backtracking on that. that. Well, we've, we've, we've got that in the comics, though. No, they're backtracking on that. <laughs> they're, now, they're now backtracking on that and saying that actually that was a thing that was Darth Vader was seeing, but may or may not be true, the story group are saying. You know why? Well, because they want to make it wider. <clears throat> Well, no, no, I'll tell you why, because we're jumping way into the future here now, but you ended up with Ray and Ben kissing, and they're effectively cousins. Well, yeah. And that's the issue. They've got to almost separate them from a a relationship perspective for the entire Raylo thing to work. I mean, I wasn't, I, I tried not to jump into like the future stuff, but I agree. But I wonder what Mary and, and Andy think about this. Sorry, I realised. I, I was just going to say, are we not talking about the opening crawl anymore? <laughs> <laughs> that escalated somewhat. <clears throat> Mary, you, you go first, you go first. Ladies first. <laughs> what am I addressing? <laughs> <laughs> You've completely lost. Bloodline thing? Or do... no, 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 no. I wish they what did you think? What did you think of the opening crawl? Oh, um, well, again, I'd only seen it once, and thank you for reading it again, Alex. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I, once I got done reading that, I'm just like, okay, what's, how's this going to play out? I think I was just, um, it was a lot to it. it I think I was, uh, my initial thought was, how are they going to do all this? 
<laughs> or mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I really tried not to have an expectation, even though sometimes my brain would go back to say, well, didn't they say something about this and how's this going to play out? And I didn't want to get too nitpicky about it and to lose some of the enjoyment. But I'll be honest right here. I, I, I don't like the Palpatine coming back thing at all. But I like <laughs> what do I think? Um, it, to be honest, uh, it was it was very detailed. It did give a lot away. However, I don't want to go back and start ranting. I think that is the fault of the Last Jedi. When I read the opening crawl, what it, I think it is, I, when I read the opening crawl, what I secretly hear in my head is J.J. Abrams going, this is what should have happened in the last I almost hear him saying, seething in the background, you'd left me with nothing to work with <laughs> exactly. anymore. Yeah, exactly. That, that is what I hear. Yeah. So I'm having to now explain it <laughs> at the start of the film because you just left me in Cato Bite. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I've got no problem with the opening crawl at all because I think when you've been left with with the bag of washing that is The Last Jedi, it's just, yeah, he's got to dig himself out of a hole somehow. And I think, oh, yeah, I've got no problem with that. It seemed like The Last Jedi was an end, just the end. It was. Of that. Yeah. And, and so now that you've tied it all up and everybody's dead and this is, you could just imagine anything else after that. I think you could erase it completely, to be honest. I think you could have The Force Awakens and The Rise of Skywalker and have it as a duology. Yeah, it just didn't um, flow. I felt no. like, yeah. I mean, that's an interesting one because we've kind of alluded to this oh, already, but like this film kind of feels like it stands on its own. Really, it does. It does, doesn't it's a full it? Story on itself, isn't it? Yeah, but it's because, because we, there was no. How can you continue something that can't be continued? It did. Yes. The Last Jedi didn't, at the end of it, where'd you go from that? There wasn't really any, there's no, there's no storyline, you know, dangling carrots at the end for then someone else to pick up. There's nothing. There's no, like, you know, it's like a relay and not having a baton to grab. Yeah, because no. I, I might, I'm not, I'm doing Adam Driver a disservice and, and Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren's character was good and I did enjoy the angst. I enjoyed his anguish and the fact that he didn't really know I enjoyed how he portrayed that, but for me, he was not a big bad. Yeah. And so I, I, you, you you had to have Ray face off against someone where there was suspense, where there was drama, where there was a, a, a mystery as to whether she could actually beat him or not. Wasn't it intended that Kylo would be? Well, he didn't yeah. feel like it, though. That's what I mean. Oh, no, but I mean, wasn't that... she'd already beat him twice but there's there's this absolute huge rumor isn't there about matt smith on this which i i think is probably true and that matt smith was supposed to play the brother and that the big bad in this originally was supposed to be some sort of female character who was strong with the dark side and that when it was seen by certain people in disney and lucasfilm they felt that people wouldn't understand it because they haven't watched the clone wars which i understand and so that's why matt smith was scrapped as a character that that's kind of it's, it's not confirmed that's the rumor about what what actually happened behind that and i think to your point about how 
the last jedi ended it was clear that the way it was supposed to be set up was was that there was this kid with the broom who showed force abilities and that there was supposed to be an awakening and the galaxy who didn't come to Leia's aid was supposed to remass and take on the first order in some point but to your point, Dave, which I which I said at the start and I agree with, Kylo Ren never felt like that substantial bad that that could be a fight worth writing and watching. No. So I agree with you. I, f- I think Ryan Johnson, he set it up, but he set it up so weakly that it was a story not worth telling. Yeah, he'd, he'd not taken Kylo Ren any further forward. He was still... He was still a petulant man-boy who was still playing with his own demons and and still fighting his own demons at the end of The Last Jedi, he was not a substantial threat. He was still petulant against one of his own generals in the middle of a battle. Sure. And, And to move it on slightly, that petulance is what we see in the very first scene, where he's obviously trying to find the Wayfinder, which yeah. looks like Holocron, but then he thinks he can take on the Emperor and take him down. Mm. Because yeah. he's still got that Alex, petulance, etc. I mean, Alex, I know because you're hosted, yeah. you, you don't really get a chance to speak so much. What, what do you think about that? About, about what? About <laughs> the crawl. You've really spoken about the crawl in the beginning. and Nothing. Yeah, for me, it was a bit of a... It was a bit of a headspin, you know. You sit down, you get comfortable, and then all of a sudden you're just thrown all of this information. You're like, right, okay, we're getting into it now. But then that kind of continues to your point. The first, I would say maybe the first, maybe 45 minutes of this film are a whirlwind because you literally go from one thing to the next over and over again for a good 45. It might even be an hour. Um, and I think the first hour for me is the most intense, jumbled, for want of a better word, or even fastest hour of a Star Wars film. And I'm probably going to get killed for saying this by David Mirror, and I do apologise, but when you think of the first hour of A New Hope, the first hour of A New Hope is a bit slow. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm not going to say it's boring, but it doesn't really go anywhere yet you compare the first hour of this film and it literally goes halfway across the galaxy it's relentless isn't it the pacing it is is. but i think it's because he's almost having he's 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 got a list of things that potentially went wrong in the in the middle film that he had to tick off and fix right okay i need to cover off that Layer has formal Jedi training. Right, tick. I need to cover off that there is now a new big baddie that has always controlled Snoke. Tick. I need to cover off the fact that the big baddie has always been around and he's managed to survive. Tick. I need to invent a new super weapon that the, the good guys have to, to overcome. Mm. Tick. I need to cover off. And, 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 and it feels like the first hour of the movie, I agree with you totally, the first hour of the movie is him running through this list of things. Yes, I've got that. Yes, I've got that. Yes, I've got that. Yes, I've got that. For the story to then move forward. It is. It's exactly that. Yeah. For that again, I would blame The Last Jedi. It is, it is The Last Jedi's fault for not addressing all those things, isn't it? 
So listen, yeah, I don't so want this to be the last Jedi review show. I really don't. They are so intrinsically linked for me. But also uh, not linked. That's, that's yeah, the well, bizarre yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. In terms of story, definitely not. Yeah. It, it almost borrows nothing from the previous movie and has to invent loads of stuff to cover the holes from the last movie. Well, yeah. he ended so many things. Yeah. It yeah. stopped so many things that he had to. Yeah, I think he. I think JJ did a great job doing what he did and how he did it with what he had. T- totally still. agree. Totally agree with that. I, I do think it's a. It's sorry. It is. It is a writer's decision as well, though. In terms of as as we touched on probably a year ago, Chris Terrio is the guy who did the Batman v Superman and the Justice League films. And that films jumped around like anything, just like this film did. Boom, boom, boom. So it's no surprise when you look at the writing team behind it, and J.J. Abrams has also done this in the past in his films, where there's so much action it almost bamboozles the plot line, that I think it is a creative choice as well as a ticklish choice. Yeah. Well, I I think the DC movies generally suffer from a, a very different problem. They've... They... I could be completely wrong here, but I feel that the DC movies feel like they're trying to catch up with the success that Marvel has had. Marvel have managed to do it over 10, 12 years, and DC, and and they've done it by putting out four, three, four movies each year for the last five years now. DC seems to be releasing one movie every 12, 18 months and almost expecting for everyone to know who the characters are and because they don't they're having to to create things such as justice league is, is a prime example i enjoyed justice league but you're having to let everyone know who the flash is let everyone know who cyborg is let everyone know who aquaman is because they've never been introduced before it was the same with suicide squad you, you had what could be a great movie but the first three quarters of that movie was introducing who all of the characters in it were Whereas Marvel have, have, to some extent, paced that out and said, right, okay, here's an Iron Man story, standalone Iron Man story, so you know who Iron Man is. Here's a standalone Thor movie, you know who Thor is. You already know who the Hulk was because we've done that loads of times. And here's an individual um, Captain America story mm. so that you know who he is. We then bring them all together. There's a couple of other bit actors, such as um, um, Black Widow and Hawkeye. But you've seen enough of, of Black Widow in the other movie, so you got a gist of who she is, which allowed Avengers to work. Sure. Whereas you, you didn't have that in Justice League. So I, but I you did in Star Wars. Part, they yeah, there was jumping six around. new characters, Dave, in the first two acts. Yes. They introduced yes. six new characters, some of whom, to be honest, were pretty pointless. But they introduced yeah, I'm, these I'm not, characters I'm not at a huge rate it. again. And I was like, what, yeah. why are they doing this? Yeah, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with that. I like that. And that's what I mean about the comparison between this Star Wars film and, and to your point about the DC bit. It's the writing style is let's introduce these people quickly. You know, we have a new droid. We have a new um, uh, person who's Richard E. Grant, Captain Five. We have a new person working on the base. I he came from her or why he was in it. No, exactly. And so really even like the Rain coming back, we've really yeah. they don't do anything in the entire film. But they try and they try and get all these people in again quickly. So I actually think it is quite similar in that respect. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. 
so let's jump into like the first hour then we obviously jump into the film where i'm trying to get this back on track <laughs> um, are we an hour to get to the first two minutes we've, we've so far first... talked about the, the opening crawl in about the first minute yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, so we see the first scene is um and correct me if i'm wrong it's where kylo ren and the knights of ren and stormtroopers are having a battle where he is trying to find this this wayfinder where we see him take out God knows how many people uh, in search. And that's, for me, that was quite a cool opening scene. It was a really good um, action sequence uh, for me. And then obviously we see him find the Wayfinder. Now to your point, Ali, you kind of mentioned it on the slide earlier, it is like a Sith holocron, which I was quite surprised at. Now, you and I both saw this Reddit post that had a couple of released images and it weren't entirely sure if they were right or not. Yeah, obviously this released leaked image of this Wayfinder looking exactly like a Sith holocron was, was spot on. And that kind of took me by surprise a little bit because holocrons are well known. And, you know, Dave and I, you're kind of more into the law of, of the collective universe as it were than, than, than some, but was you surprised Dave seeing the shape of the Wayfinder or what it looked like, or do you think it kind of made sense being a Sith well, Wayfinder? I was going to say that you didn't exactly know what he was hunting for, or what you know when he when he first opened it up and what it was. Mm. You didn't know exactly what it was, um, but the fact that he was looking for something linked to the Sith. So for, for me, it looking like a holocron. Did you just think it was one? Yes. Yeah, I thought I thought that was potentially what it was. The fact that he was searching for this, which was a holocron, which would then tell him where this extra gel was. Yeah, and, and and I must admit, when I saw it, I was like, okay, cool, it's a Sith holocron. Oh no, no, yeah. hold on, it's a yeah. it's a it's a fancy sat- satellite navigation system. <laughs> is, it, is it not both? My, my, unless I'm confused, isn't a, hol- a holocron? holds info so doesn't it just yeah. hold location info so it technically sort of is a holocron isn't it well they they could have used it as just a holocron and i don't know why they didn't other than the fact that i guess a holocron could only be used by a sith and so but he isn't a, a, a mechanics of the the actual film meant that it had to be, be, be able to be used by non-sith mm. see that's it he he isn't a sith lord yeah he is strong in the dark side of the force, but it doesn't make him a Sith yes. Lord. So maybe they've done it, to your point, Dave, as a, as a way round that particular, I'm not going to call it a plot hole, um, because you can imagine... Well, well Ray you... also uses it. Well, I sort of thought it was um, their ah. explanation to a holocron. I mean, if you hadn't seen Clone Wars or Rebels, I mean... Would you have known what that was by that name? No, you no, no, you wouldn't. No. That's a very fair, fair point, Mary. Yeah, yeah, very fair point. Yeah. And they are calling it a wayfinder. They are calling yeah. that. Yeah. No, they're not calling it a holocron, which I find slightly odd. But but it's definitely mm-hmm. a wayfinder. Mm-hmm. But I, I agree, it can't be a holocron. It, it, it could look like one, but it can't be one. Otherwise, it would only be able to be used by Sith lords or Sith yeah. masters. So, 
we then see him hook up his sat-nav GPS into his TIE fighter. Uh, <clears throat> he then... I love the, the way that um, the technology seems to work, no matter what. Yeah, yeah, it's like plug and play, isn't it? Oh, it is. It, it, that's exactly. Yeah, that, that's the, yeah, that's the terminology I should have used. Plug and play. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah, is, that... this is the point. This is the point. Sorry, when you know, based on the hum- the humor in the Last Jedi, I was expecting turn around when possible. <laughs> <laughs> Some really naff joke. If Rian Johnson was in charge of this film, he damn well would have put a bloody satnav <sighs> command in it or something, wouldn't he? That's absolutely brilliant. It's funny you say that, and this is really off topic to a certain extent, but I've got a, um, a Garmin GPS where you have a car where the, the sat, where the position is of your car and when you're driving along the map, you can change it to like an X-Wing or a TIE fighter. Um, and you can actually get downloaded content onto the sat-nav where it has Yoda telling you your directions and Darth Vader as well. Um, so... I'm like, they could have easily done something like that. Could you imagine if it was Darth Vader telling him where to go? That would be absolutely hilarious. <laughs> I believe it was Darth Vader telling him where to go, wasn't it? <laughs> Technically, yeah. Um, so he finds Exegol and goes off to find the Emperor. And when he does, there's a few things in this scene that, that kind of stand out for me. So I'm going to throw a couple of bits out there for you guys just to prod some thoughts the different snokes for want of a better word in their chambers that's the first thing that kind of caught my eye the second thing is the cloning side of things as well which obviously links into the snoke piece then we actually see the emperor who scared the absolute bejesus out of me to an extent because he obviously isn't the same as when we last saw him at the end of Return of the Jedi for obvious reasons. But those things for me were kind of the things that stood out, but also the use of the light lighting within this particular scene. So um, I don't know if it's the same for, for the cinemas that you saw it in guys, but before the film, there was this warning of strobe lighting. Yeah. Which I know is becoming more and more of a thing these days. But for me, that was an interesting one because that particular scene was horror movie-esque. What do we all think about that particular scene? I'd agree with that completely. His eyes and everything, it was very much... I'm surprised, or I wouldn't be surprised if there were children that went to see it that were terrified of him. Just just the makeup and the the eyes rolling back. It's a 12A, isn't it? Yeah. Dave, I mean, obviously we've... You've, you've taken your boys to see Star Wars and movies, etc. I'm assuming you haven't taken them to this because you've only seen it. You've only seen it once or twice. Oh, no, you taken... no, no, I've seen, no, I've taken them to this. We have all what, seen it. What did they think in that particular scene? Was there a reaction or anything like that? No, well, nothing that was commented by either of them two. Um, when it was on, I do... When I go to the cinema with the boys, I do tend to, every now and again, glance over at them just to make sure that they're all okay. Um... But, but there was nothing that jumped out at me from their reactions to that part of the movie. Okay. So what, what were we thinking when we all saw... Mera, what did you think when you saw all the Snokes in the pod? Did anything kind of trigger any thought process in that particular moment? Um, wow. Well, um, 
I really honestly have to see it again. <laughs> um, there was just so much that, it, yeah, no, I can't really give a great answer except for just, holy crow, what, what's this? That visual, though, was... It, there was also the emperor talking over that visual, mm-hmm. saying, I am every voice you've ever heard, and it flips between the various the Vader mm-hmm. and Snoke. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just the Snokes in the jar that you saw, but you also had the sound at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. It's a great use of sound and lighting to kind of set the scene, for want of a better word, in that particular part. I mean, how did obviously, Ali, we saw it together, but what, what, what were you thinking when you kind of saw that scene, whether that be the Snoke piece or, or, or the Emperor? I thought visually it was stunning. And second of all, I kind of thought, ah, okay, so that's the route they've gone down. They've gone down the cloning route. So, you know, there's been a lot of speculation about mm. it. And straight away, I was like, okay, I, I accept that. That that kind of makes some sense. So, yeah, I, I thought it was good. I just, to nitpick on it, it just felt like it needed a bit further explanation than just a few bodies lying in a clone <laughs> and just to say, yeah, that was it. Yeah, you know the, what I mean? I didn't I just I just felt it was, it was very quickly brushed through. Yeah, the lack of explanation of I mean, this might get relayed in a book or a comic or whatever, but yeah. how on God's green earth did he survive? I mm. think that's that's the first thing that, that springs to mind. But then the other thing that springs to mind is is it the same emperor? Is it a clone? Sure. You know, all these things are, are kind of prominent because we don't have any answers to anything. The, no. the answers to the Snoke queries of who he is and where he came from has now been answered, but well, we've been answered. Well, you're, you're still sort of like, how did Snoke's consciousness have the Emperor's? How was he controlling it? Mm. Could he project himself into someone? In which case, how comes it killed Luke? There's, there's all these kind of things like, all right, I accept that that's the way they did it. And, and I don't mind, you know, it, it being open to interpretation and fan theory and people having guesses. I mean, that's pretty healthy. But I think it, it just needed a slight more of an explanation than just like, yeah, that's what happened. Deal with it. Mm. <laughs> yeah. But the issue was you've only got a two and a bit hour movie. Which didn't have to be, you know. Endgame was 35, 40 minutes end, longer. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a that's a decision which we assumed at the time was by J.J. Abrahams, but now people are calling it the Bob Iger cut. It yeah. may well be a Disney decision. We just don't know. And, but it will come out in time. Don't know if it ever will. But well, we'll judging by the extras on The Last Jedi DVD, I don't know if you had a chance to watch them, Dave. I can't remember if you did or not. Last, but last, last Jedi. The extras on it are the best thing about that. Yeah, I agree with that. And if they go into that extent on this, it'll be absolutely fascinating, because we already know that actors didn't quite agree with things in this film. We already know that. So there, there is, there is, there are interesting decisions that have been taken. But as I said, I didn't have a problem with it. I just felt it needed a bit more explanation. Andy, I've got a question. I've got a question, which is. So, as far as I'm aware, from the opening crawl, Kylo Ren went with anger, and he was going to go and kill the Emperor because he was a threat to his his power or his existence or whatever. So, 
at what point in the film, again, I might need to see it again to get this clarified, at what point did he start working for the Emperor and go on the hunt for Rey? Because that sort of just happened like like a click of a finger for me. I think, well, I think, I think that, that was pretty much at the click of a finger. Yeah. Because the, the way that the Emperor introduces himself says, you have always worked for me. Every voice you've ever heard has been me. Yeah. I've been manipulating you since day one. If you think you're going to come in here and take me down, you've got another thought coming, young man. He says, kill the girl. Yeah. He so Kylo literally just goes, okay then. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. tells him the backstory about it, who she is. Yeah. And then I, he goes I, off and then he, but then Kylo doesn't, does he? he? He comes around and says, I've been told to do it, but I don't want to do it. Yes. Yeah, which shows another conflict within him because that that is basically the end of it. Yeah, it's like the Emperor has shown him his hand and said, look, right, you ain't beating me, but if you join me, I'll make you great. And yeah. It's it's kind of played out in that way, and it is a little bit quick, to be fair. But ultimately, the emperor has gone. Yeah, um, I can basically just destroy you. So join me, and then we'll we'll rule the galaxy together. I don't know where we've heard that from. Uh, but not great. <laughs> not great. Ten thousand times more than the first order. Yeah. Ten thousand times more. That put that in thing, and each one of those is a planet killer on it. Mental. Yeah. Like Dave so, said before about one, the, one thing the, I liked the, about that. No, but Dave, you said to the point before how one of the things about the sequels are we haven't seen any technological evolution. We saw one in this film, not explained, we but we saw it. Yeah, yeah. Each 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 ship had a planet killer. Ten thousand. Yeah. Well, that's ten thousand. What the first order had. So, say if the first order had five ships, that's fifty thousand. Yeah. If, if they had a thousand, it's like a million. What? Come on. I think there's a thread on Reddit called they did the math. Build it. He's the emperor, you can do whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you're right, Mary, you're right. I'll bet forty years. I'm sorry. They've had forty <laughs> years planning this. Where they get the materials from on this planet that's impossible to find. Probably from well, the He also had thousands of cultists, didn't he? What, are they clones? I mean, who knows who they are? Probably. You would think at some point, someone who's siding for all the deliveries of the metal to build these ships will think, there's something going on here. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Security guard. The security guard is a fantastic liar. Where are they getting the kyber crystals from? Yeah. (laughs) They literally destroyed the planet with the kyber crystals in The Force Awakens. How do you know they're using kyber crystals? Yeah, that's a good point. I'm assuming they are. (laughs) Unless they they found a remarkable new way... Which seems very unlikely to destroy a whole planet. But... Yeah, but before this movie, we didn't think you'd have a planet, cl- planet killer on a ship. That's true. Well, well actually, we say, I, ta- I, I actually take that back because the concept of having a Death Star weapon, for want of a better word, on a ship was actually in an EU book right. years and years and years ago. But I won't go into detail for that. But effectively, that, that concept you... has been there and done that in the books. Yeah. Um, but to your point... How it gets explained, it doesn't. How does it do it? We don't know because it doesn't get explained. It's like we have a big cannon on our ship that can blow up this planet. Look. Yeah. Wow. Again, it's one of those things where it's asking everyone in the audience just to go, yeah, all right, fair enough. Just accept it. The Emperor's back. Snoke just was the Emperor. All right. Yeah. All right. And he can destroy I, everything. All right. I've now, Come on. I've now got a new... I've now got a new title for this film. It shouldn't be Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. It should be Star Wars Episode 9. Just go with it. 
Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what it is. Enjoy the ride, folks. But feel free to disagree, Andy and Mary. If you really loved like that and you thought it was good, do disagree with me. Do, like, do you know? Do you know what's a really? Do you know what's a really weird thing for me? I agree with everything that you said, but I still like it anyway. <laughs> yes, exactly. I was going to say. Okay. I, I, I agree with that. Just, just, just. Okay, so we are we're debating plot holes in this movie, right? And these plot holes are, well, this wasn't explained, and this didn't seem to make sense, but we all still liked it. And the reason for me was that this movie had the feel, had the soul, had the heart of a Star Wars movie to it. Yes. So, agree. is it possible that every Star Wars movie so far has all of these same faults in them, but... Because of the way that the movie's made and the way that it engages with the audience, the way that it feels like Star Wars, you overlook them. Whereas with The Last Jedi, because the tone of that movie was off, because it didn't feel like a Star Wars movie, you notice all of... Well, yeah, the, the entire the, the humor was off. The timing was out. The, the, there wasn't the 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 appreciation for the audience done in the same way. It didn't have the warmth of a Star Wars movie. It was more clinical. And I think because of that, you then start to pull apart all of the plot holes. And you, you, your ultimate response is, The Last Jedi, Jedi is an awful movie. Whereas you watch this movie, and we can debate all of the plot holes that are in this movie, as you can do, and, and as we've done recently on a, on a Twitter account where we were discussing... Mm couple of other people some of the plot holes that appeared in new hope some of the plot holes that also appeared in return of the jedi but we still love those movies because they were made with the right level of love for the fans uh, yeah uh, well i don't think star wars a new hope was made for the fans because it was george lucas's crazy set. imagination but ultimately True, but the, the fans the tone. Except the tone of the fandom. Yeah, and I think what it also does, it gives it gives the fans a film that is it isn't perfect. And I, I said this on that particular Twitter exchange that you were talking about, Dave, that no Star Wars film is perfect in no. a storytelling, cinematography, photographic perspective. Rogue but One. is it a perfect Star Wars film for it being a Star Wars film? Yeah. And when you think of, to your point, the story gaps, the plot holes, the unexplained, like Obi-Wan Kenobi getting taken down by Darth Vader and completely disappearing and then all of a sudden appearing as a voice in Luke's head. At that point in time, nobody had the foggiest what was going on. If you get taken out by (laughs) a sword... All our heads and said, this is fantastic. Exactly, this is brilliant. And it's the same with this. I'm like, you're seeing these 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 cruisers rise out of the ice. Now, I know part of that was shown in the trailer. Um, but seeing it in the film, adding the context of the Emperor and knowing everything, seeing these ships rise from this ice, for me, was like, wow. I don't know how they've been built. I don't know how long they've been sitting in the ice. I don't know where the people are coming from to pilot the bloody ships. Yeah. But I'm enjoying it anyway. 
bananas, it can be that kind of film. Is that what makes a good Star Wars movie then? The fact that you get onto the you get onto the Star Wars coach and it takes you on a journey. And you love that journey. It, it could actually be that simple, couldn't it? It could just it's just a it's just a thing that ten of the eleven movies have. And, yes. and the last Jedi just doesn't for some reason. It's just it's, missing it's, something. Well, yes. The right. heart of the Star Wars movie, that's what's missing. Yeah, well, but I think you, there is like there are there are, but there are there are things which make a Star Wars film. Like I think Alex, we sort of debated this as a group on, on our little um, gr- on our group chat. But to your point, A New Hope is is basically a remake of another film. Yeah. And so Except there was so what made it original was some of the mythology around the Jedi, the Force, the setting, those sort of things. I mean, the main storyline's the same. So I think that as well makes it a Star Wars film. And and. For me, it's really difficult to have these conversations when we're trying to go it bit by bit and not talk about big picture things. But for me, some of the things that this film ends up doing is such a repetition of what we've seen that that I'm prepared to go along with it and say, yeah, it's it's a decent film, but I'm not going to call it a great film because it isn't that different. There's nothing new. It doesn't take... The ending of this film leaves us practically not far off the same position as you were at the end of the original trilogy. I, it, I would agree with that, to be fair. I would agree with that. I think, that for me, of, of the three movies of this trilogy, this has felt the most unique because... The story has been done differently this time. Mm. The, the, uh, the Force Awakens was, despite how much I really enjoyed it, is a complete and utter remake of A New Hope. The, 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 plot, the plot is exactly the same. It, 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 you are hunting for plans or for a map that's hidden in a droid on a desert planet. There's a large-scale hunt for the said droid. That droid escapes with the aid of the Millennium Falcon. They eventually end up on the base of the the good guys, but the bad guys are about to attack them, so they've got to do this large-scale attack on the base using X-Wings to take down that base. It, it, it is a new hope. That That's all that is. You then had... The Last Jedi, that was a rehash. And I think, Alex, you mentioned this. It is a rehash of Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. It, it follows the plot of a Jedi Padawan learner going to find a master. The master's reluctant to train them. Eventually comes around to the idea of training them. The learner leaves before the training's complete. The master tells them your training's not complete. They said, well, I've got to go anyway because I've got to go help my friends. They then hand themselves into... Um, the 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 dark side apprentice thinking that they can can they still feel good in them and they can convert them back to the light. The the uh, dark side apprentice then turns them over to their their big boss, the big bad. The big bad attempts to turn the the the, the Jedi apprentice back to the dark, fails. Ultimately, the Sith apprentice turns on his master, destroys his master, and the movie's over. So that that was a new hope. Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, but it was also mm-hmm. Force Awakens and the Last Jedi. 
this movie for me at least had a very different story. You okay. may have had the same protagonists, but it's the yeah. same. It's a different story. Until the last 15, 20 minutes, where it's where where it basically ends the same as that trilogy. If you tag on those last twenty minutes onto what you've just said, then you get it. You you've got a little bit of the same ideas behind it towards the end. Um, in that you've got two force users of dark and a light. Uh, just before on. you do this, Dave, Alex, yeah. are we skipping way too ahead? <laughs> we are. Technically, yes, but it's still a good conversation anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to do that, just in case, Dave, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to say, even, even though there is, a, there is a similarity towards the, the, the two, the, the light and the dark coming together to defeat the big dark, it's done in a different way. It felt different. Whereas lightning being Flash chucked Jedi. out, hit back at him, kills him. I mean, rather than chucked over, but what's the difference? It did feel it did feel very different because at the end of this movie, rather than it being almost like a surprise attack that takes out the bad guy, this is an actual two of them facing off against him in the throne room or wherever. Yeah, I suppose it is a throne room, isn't it? Um, Sure. But but this time it's it is a blatant. This is a two against one battle for the fate of the universe. It's not. This is a battle between the big bad and the Jedi apprentice, which ultimately it, they win because Darth the, Vader the makes Sith it apprentice two steps in and and turns it around. Yeah. So for me, it did feel different because of that. It wasn't. It wasn't the same. But if the Sith Apprentice is Kylo Ren, and yes. she gets his lightsaber, which represents Leia and Luke, those whose lightsaber was, and that's what finally defeats the Emperor. Two of you want it's the same. I know. I, I I agree with what you're saying. I just think it, this this for me was done differently. I understand that. It, I understand. Yeah, it do get it, it did have a feel of a different style of movie, even with that ending. Sure, but when you break it down into like simple, if you if you took a board and just said this is what happens, it's identical. It is. I tell you what, something else that we from a certain point of view. I'd say I'll tell you something else that we'll pick that we we have picked up quite a few times in Star Wars movies that this movie again does right. At the end of Return of the Jedi, you had an epic face-off between good and bad in a throne room you mm. had a space battle and you also had a land battle you had a very similar thing in um, the phantom menace mm. and you had it in this yeah now we are jumping way too far ahead. Ahead. On the <laughs> a but, i agree <laughs> Well, I do agree that let, 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 let's get into the let's get into the details of that probably next week the way things are going. Yeah, well, well, or maybe is, the week or the week after. Who knows? Yeah. People <laughs> who listen to our last podcast, I, I think it was you who said out, did we end up just watching a reboot of the original trilogy with this sequel trilogy? And I think that is the best way anyone's put it because that's what it is for me. It was a reboot that we didn't realise was being rebooted at the time. Yeah, it's it's an interesting interpretation of how the movies are made and i've i've always bought into the the sensation or the way the story is told in that it has repetitive beats so certain things happened in the prequel trilogy 
that happened in the original trilogy, that happened in the sequel trilogy, that happened in the Clone Wars, that happened in Rebels. There's, there is a constant repetition, for want of a better word, in certain elements of Star Wars. And for me, this trilogy as a whole is no different. You know, it's a little bit more on the nose <laughs> than than a reworking, yes. as it were, of certain themes. But there's always that that repetition of how things happen and the reason why I've gone into that is to then obviously the next scene is where we see Ray training. And for me, again, you kind of get the sensation of Yoda, Luke, Dagobah, except we have Ray, Forrest, Leia. Now, at the time, I was a bit weirded out for want of a better word when she called Leia Master. Yes. Now, I don't know if that was just her being nice to Leia, for want of a better word, or I don't know if it was something that was a conscious decision to make Leia her master, even though Leia wasn't a Jedi master from what we know, yet, because of the flashback scene that happens later on, we know she had a level of, of, of training with Luke. So the Ray training scene is, is interesting for me for a couple of things because it does show her growth in in being a jedi there are a lot of people that have the whole mary sue thing and i don't agree with that one bit um and this kind of adds weight as to why that's utter nonsense because we see her train she's clearly learning or not as the case may be to the point where she gives leia the lightsaber back that she's fixed and actually says i will be worthy of it one day kind of reminds me of thor and the hammer but anyway um that 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 scene for me was quite telling because it added weight to Ray as a character, but it also added a different dimension to Leia in the way that when you think back to the Return of the Jedi, where Yoda says no, there is another, and we obviously know he has a sister, and that's Luke being Leia, and therefore it kind of adds for me anyway. It does add to the whole story. I mean, you know. Andy, we, we kind of watched it together, and, and how did you feel when you saw Leia being the position of Jedi Master, for want of a better word? Um, and I don't quite understand how you would become a master. Well, Leia was never an apprentice as such. She looked like she trained with Luke, whether she was an official apprentice or not. Who knows? It was a, it was a quick flashback scene. But then would she then rise to Master... It, it all seems a little bit informal and a bit slapdash. I don't, mm. I don't quite. I, to be honest, I didn't give it too much thought until you just sort of. Um, in terms of the training scene, I'd have liked to see a little bit more of that because I thought it was quite cool in the forest. I, it has sort of echoes of Endor to me. Mm. Um, very nice visually, very nice visually. Um, but yeah, the, the whole master thing, I'm not quite sure about. I don't, I don't quite understand how that would work unless she just, like you say, nominated Leia as her master. Because Leia, maybe Leia said, well, you're all train you. But then has Leia got the capacity to train if she's not a Jedi herself? I, again, it's all a bit informal for me. Does that go back to the point that was made by Ali that you just go with it? <laughs> you know, maybe, there's, maybe. There's no full explanation. And, and then there, there's a little bit of context with showing the, the flashback scene. But ultimately, it's a bit like, 
it's happening. So just just go with it. Yeah, the, th- the thing is, we can't just go with it because then there's no podcast, is there? <laughs> we, can't, we, can just, we can just sit here and go, well, let's go with it. And then the next scene, well, let's just go that with it. That would be one of the shortest podcasts <laughs> yeah, ever. Yeah. I mean, it, sometimes it's, it's not actually that clear in the film. And when you mm. don't know, I mean, without watching some sort of extra on a DVD, maybe explaining the background of the scene or if there's a comic or a book to support it, at the moment, we're just sort of, you know, throwing yeah. assumptions in the air, aren't we, I guess? Mm. But it was, it was interesting. It was, a, yeah, it's slightly odd that she called a master, I guess. I, I was going to say, just one of the things that you commented on there that Ali's also commented on within this, this same podcast, the pair of you have mentioned that, well, maybe there's a book out there or a comic that'll explain this. Now, the majority of people who go to the cinema will not read the books, they will not read the comics, they will not get the backstory. And this is the same criticism I've levelled at DC movies, going back to the DC comments. I know, I I particularly disliked Batman v Superman. And I know people, uh, Alex, um, who are big DC fans, and they support the movie and say, well... Yeah, but then if you know this, and if you know this, and if you see the director's cut because of this, and if you, you know, and for me, the 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 movie has to stand alone in a cinema, and so I feel one of the weaknesses of this movie is that maybe it is going to require us doing backstories and back research and reading the um, Dawn Kinsley book that explains how the the um, star destroyers could have planet destroying weapons and and for me those books shouldn't replace poor storytelling they no, should, they should supplement it they should supplement yes. it you're right yes yeah. whereas I, I do get the feeling that maybe that is my 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 main criticism of this movie and there isn't much that i would criticize about this movie it felt right is that you're going to be required to try and seek out answers to things that just didn't quite make sense. Is that a way for Lucasfilm and Disney to try to expand the audience's awareness of Star Wars being in a book stroke comic? No, because most people won't read the books, won't read the comics. But is this not an opportunity to try to entice them to do it? I think it's a different type of fan. That, that's a, it, if, if you have a look, go to Marvel, for instance, they've made the Marvel Cinematic Universe an enclosed universe. And again, I've, I've got mates who are massive Marvel comic readers who detest the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And their view is, well, that's not Thor. And Thor's never like that. And Captain America's, he's not really like that. And Iron Man, for God's sake, Iron Man was never this bigger character. So why mm-hmm. is he now leader of the Avengers? And but everything you've me, just said is spot on. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> it might have actually but, been me that said it. But anyway, uh, no, it's not you. It's it's, it's a, a, a guy called Darren Grimes who will probably appreciate the call out here. Uh, he dislikes most of what they've done with the Marvel Cinematic Universe because it's different to the, mm. to the comics. For me, yeah. I read the comics as a kid. I probably don't read the comics as much anymore as I used to. I've moved on to other comics, mostly Star Wars these days. But 
for me, I see a complete separation between the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the Marvel Comic Universe. I, I, I almost picture it as being a case of, right, well, this is just an alternative universe because Marvel has, has unveiled that as a possibility, the fact that you can have parallel universes and so you can have different things happening in different universes. For me, Marvel's cinematic universe is a different universe. It's a parallel universe to the comic one. Whereas what you're suggesting... And, and so you, you, go, you get people who go to the cinema to watch Marvel movies who will never read a comic. Mm-hmm. Whereas they're selling at the cinema alone, they're doing billion billion dollar movies time after time now, and they're doing that purely on people who just go to the cinema and fill seats. I so, won't read yes, exactly. I so, won't read comics so, or probably even the books. Although I try to read some of them now, I just yeah, I'm not one of those. Yeah, I know. I would no, say I'm not either. No, I'm not. And that's been the majority of people for the last 40 years. They don't read the books. They don't read the comics. But they'll still buy the toys. They'll still buy the merchandise. They'll still buy the T-shirts. You know, my reasoning was is because I didn't want anything to... And I don't want to use the word ruin because I don't think it's that dra- dramatic. But I didn't... I've always been hesitant to read the EU books because... I didn't want to be disappointed with how it was written. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Huh? You know, it's kind of like these stories for me, this, this like sequel is just not, it didn't follow a story. It didn't follow George's story. I mean, there's plot holes in it. And George, you know, he had some writers to help him with Empire. And, oh gosh, who's the other? We got to make Leia his sister instead of, you know, I mean, there were things like that. But he still had his solid story. He had this whole thing written out that that's why I feel it had more continuity than the sequel because I felt like, oh, well, who cares what George's finishing of this whole thing was when we'll write this again and we'll bring people back with the same rehash of A New Hope with Force Awakens, which worked and didn't work. I mean, it kind of reintroduced. I mean, how long it had it been, right? But the whole story arc was just disjointed to me that I think I did like the wrap-up of this kind of, even though it was a rehash to uh, Ali's point, um, it worked for me as as an ending that was better than where I had left off. But I still wish that the story had been stuck to. It doesn't matter who uh, directs, you still had the... The, the whole story that I feel was kind of, ah, who cares, we'll, we'll make it up as we go. And that's how I felt personally about the sequel trilogy. I'd, yeah. I'd go further than that and just say that maybe the sequel trilogy should never have been touched. Yeah. They should have left it as a six-story, yeah. six-film story. Yes. Seven, if you include Rogue One. For me, I, Rogue One feels a more solid part of the story than this new sequel does. Whilst I did enjoy the sequel, uh, well, two thirds of it. Yes. Do you know at, at this point? So, I um had New Year's Eve at Alex's house. Very good it was too. It was <laughs> half three in the morning. We'd had quite a lot of champagne, and we were talking about Star Wars with a couple of people. And someone raised the point. They said, they said, you know, so Star Wars fans, they must be really happy that Disney are involved and that they've driven these forwards. And they have these films and all this content is great. 
And Alex and I stopped for a second and we were like, mm, not so sure everyone would agree with you about that, actually. Yeah. And, and I, I think it goes to a huge problem, which I think would have happened to anyone, by the way. Not This is not Disney specific, but I still don't get think that Disney quite know how to handle Star Wars properly. I don't. And, and that's to do with partly the volatility of us as a fan base. You know, we like what we like. We don't like what we don't like. You make that very clear. And that's very different to, I think, any of the other properties yeah. Disney have to deal with. And so I think Disney think sometimes we're giving them more. And particularly with this film, we're giving them what they want, the fans, or what we perceive what they want. And they're probably still getting criticism from people like me. So I don't think Disney has quite worked out Star Wars. I think they've learnt their lesson with The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. It feels, it feels like that. <clears throat> so when you compare... if I, I, I might be wrong. I'm taking a, a, a massive guess here. But if they'd have made The Mandalorian in 2016, which was like a year, two years after the buyout, whatever... Wait, hold on. Force Awakens came out in 2015. Sorry. If they'd have done The Mandalorian in 2015, it would have been a very different TV show to what it is in 2019 because they haven't gone through the pain, for want of a better word, of The Last Jedi. What do you think about it? The Force Awakens was, yeah, it had a lot of criticism being a rehash, but it made two billion dollars mm-hmm. second third largest film of all time disney at that point were rubbing their hands together mm-hmm. but in our probably in our collective opinion the reason being is because it was almost like for like dare i say it remake of a new hope if they hadn't have had the last jedi where they would have seen the fans go what on earth are you doing versus oh my god this is the best star wars ever because it's so different to anything else we've ever experienced if they hadn't have had that the mandalorian would not have been in the hands of john favreau and dave filoni in my humble opinion yeah i see that when you think when they when lucasfilm was bought out by disney and this is going me in a bit of a rant and i do apologize but you training no i will in two (laughs) seconds just want to check you don't want to stay on target (laughs) dave filoni kind of got sidelined he was put in charge of resistance they shut down rebels um they basically gave him animation because of the fact that that's all he'd ever done you know and that that that's a fair assumption to make from a certain point of view but they hadn't taken into consideration the fact that he is the youngling to george lucas he learned from the feet of the master and i don't think they got that until they've realized what happened with the last jedi and obviously now the success of The Mandalorian unifying the fans, <laughs> arguably before episode nine came out. Um, but nevertheless, I don't think we would have had that success, that type of Star Wars, that real Star Wars, I'm using air quotes here, them, if, if that hadn't have happened. Mm. And I'm going to get off my soapbox um, and get back to the scene that follows on from Ray training, <laughs> um, which is where we find... <laughs> which is where we find the Millennium Falcon um, being piloted by Poe. R2-D2! We see R2. Um, Actually, before that, we see Poe and Finn playing Chewbacca at (laughs) chess. 
Um, yeah. It's not actually called chess, is it? It's called something else, and the name of the game has completely slipped my mind. But I've always called uh, it hollow chess. Uh, no, it has a name. Uh, it will come to me. But effectively, we see that scene. And this is the first time in the movie where we've had, I don't want to call it proper comedy, but it kind of was. The interactions between Finn and Poe talking about how Chewie is brilliant at it, how he must cheat, etc., etc., And that comedy for me felt more Star Wars comedy yeah. than anything that was put in The Force Awakens. Uh, sorry, not The Force Awakens. It, it was put in it, The Last Jedi. You know, is, go on, Mary. Sorry, I think I cut you off. Is it, I don't know, I think I'm saying it right. Something like the uh, Dejaric? Dejaric? Oh, the Jarek there. Thank you. Yes, that's the. Is name. that not a card game? No, that's that's um Sabat. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yep. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. And I think that that scene in particular is very Star Wars, if that makes sense. Yeah. It felt ad libbed. I'd agree yeah. with that. Yeah. Alex, I don't know about you. What, Alex? Watching it like as an episode three of of the trilogy. Like well, like we did, or the, the triple bill. That's the, that's the word I was looking. Yep. You know, like we were saying earlier how the humour dropped off in the Last Jedi. Uh, did, did you, like me, think, oh, okay, the humour's back where it should yes. be? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I, it was really apparent watching them I mean, as a as a trilogy back to back. Yeah. I, as soon as that scene happened, I thought, yeah, this is, there's not none of this like I'm holding for hooks rubbish. It was. It was. It felt like proper Star Wars humor again. Yeah, and it felt it was used in the right way as well to not take the story forward to a certain extent, but it lended itself to the situation within the story. Whereas it just seemed to be used for fun in the Last Jedi. I'm not going to go down the path of comparing it like for like, but I think that that scene in particular is is a return to Star Wars from a comedic perspective but then it does progress the story because we then meet this alien who has a message from this informant that is within the first order who i'm sure delighted mera when you saw him have the uh the message all plugged into him she there are we cut off no you're back again mera Oh, I thought somebody was talking and then it cut out. No, I was just saying that I'm sure that you felt very joyful when you saw R2 being used as the uh, as the memory bank for this particular message from the uh, from the infiltrator at the First Order. Oh, sorry, I totally you totally cut out. I honestly did not hear that. That's why I was like, why is anybody talking? Because if I heard R2, I would have been like all over this. That's somebody why was- I addressed it to you because I thought you'd be all over it. <laughs> Talk about drooling. I mean, that was the, when the movie started. Um, and it was funny. Somebody was like, oh, they didn't use R2 enough. And I'm like, dude, I wasn't expecting R2 to be in it at all. And I was just <laughs> like, oh, there he is. They're plugging it to him. He's got this information. I don't care. Just use him. He was perfect. He's just perfect. And I love, well, I'd skip ahead. But he's just so good to see 3 po to, you know, keep him on track. <laughs> <laughs> I love him. It was perfect. I wanted more, but I was, I got more than I even anticipated. So, very happy. Dave, what? what... I was, I was going to say. Um, I think I'm not 100 percent certain. I'm just doing a quick Google now, but I think that alien 
that handed over the the details. Yes, he was played by Mark Hamill. Yeah, yeah. In where? Which one? His voice. The the horned the horned tusked oh, alien. Oh. oh, that's great! I did not know that. I love it. Yes. Yeah, Bulio, he was called. Oh, yeah, yeah. We then see anyway, his head so. land on a table yes. further in, in about <laughs> half an hour's time, which is yeah. quite a scene. <laughs> but um, I, 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 I enjoyed that scene. And, and to yeah. go back to what you were saying about the humour and, and what have you that led up to that moment, it, it was... It was a more natural humour. Mm. It was. It. I think what Star Wars does very well with humour, it's camaraderie style humour. Yeah. It's. It's the one line mates having a conversation with each other and saying something that makes you snigger sometimes. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, I know. I love it. Yeah. But it, it, yeah. And I don't know if that. Yeah, and I, I don't know if that stems from the original the original trilogy, where that type of humour was used, was quite often Han Solo would ad-lib things. Yeah. And just yeah. come out with, with witty quips sometimes that they kept in the movie. It's because it goes back to the, the comments, wasn't it, that George Lucas' writing was absolutely terrible. Uh, yes. So giving them the freedom to ad-lib or create their own lines uh, allowed them to really kind of have that yeah. camaraderie there. Yeah, even um, 3PO did. Yeah. He would he would yeah. ad-lib some of his responses to R2-D2 because R2-D2, or the, the, the actor who played him, had come out with something quite rude. And so yeah. Anthony <laughs> Daniels then came back with a response that they then kept in the movie. <laughs> So when we find out that there's an in, an, in, an infiltrator into the first order, I'm going to come to you, Ali, last because <laughs> you you read a spoiler about this, so your opinion doesn't count. Um, but Mera, when they said that there's an intruder into the first order, we obviously then find out, and we'll come to this in more detail another uh, another time. But we then find out that it's Hux. At I'm that point. At that point, did you know it was Hux, or did you read anything online that said that, or anything like that? I didn't read anything online, but I just—he's the first person I thought of when they were like, "Oh, there's a possible spy," and I'm like, "Well, just the loathing and hatred he had for Kylo in the last movie. <laughs> oh, it's got to be him, just to put his digs in to get him out. He wanted him out. He would do anything. So, uh, yeah, I guess I guessed it immediately. I was not. <laughs> I thought it was played kind of stupidly, but. Oops. Uh, Andy, did you know who it was? Uh, no, I didn't. I'm ashamed okay. to say. No, I'm ashamed to say I don't. I didn't. Um, sometimes I'd like to think I'm a fairly intelligent guy, but sometimes I don't know what's right in front of me. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so sometimes it, uh, there's various hints and, and subtleties in films and things that are sort of trying to tell you something, and they go right over my head. And I was I was just thinking it's going to be some new guy or some big alien who's like undermining the entire first order, blah blah blah. And then I thought, oh, it's just of course it's hooked. <laughs> when, when, it, when it was revealed, and then I thought, oh yeah, of course. <laughs> so, yeah, it was it was quite embarrassing actually. The light bulb moment. Yeah, I do that from time yeah. to time. It's, it's it's just a trait of my personality. <laughs> 
love to watch the movie with you, Andy. I'm I'm with Andy on this because I never I never. I knew all about the, obviously about the friction between Hooks and Kylo, but it didn't immediately jump out at me that Kylo uh, that that Hooks was the, the traitor because yeah, like like Andy said, there's there's thousands, hundreds of thousands mm. of people in the First Order. It could be anybody, and then when you you introduce to Richard E. Grant's um, character as a brand new. Um, Sith, or not Sith, sorry, um, First Worship. Order officer. Am I, yeah, am I, is this, is this the new traitor? Yeah. So, Ali, you know, I wasn't being rude by uh, cutting you off or saying not to speak to you, but you knew it was him because you'd read a spoiler. <laughs> That is correct. What? I did. I did. What was that? Well, then you cheated. Oh, Dave, you can have hours of endless fun with the Star Wars app soundboard. So, uh, <laughs> you know, so it's just brilliant. I've just been playing with it, you know. So, you know, sometimes when Alex does this to me and asks me questions, right? He doesn't like you. I don't <laughs> like you either. But, Alex. The force is with me. Let's not have a seat. See, so <laughs> what? <laughs> what, the, what the hell? I know, great. I've, I've been using this, thinking about like sometimes I really want to swear on this podcast, but I, I know we're not supposed to. So like, you know, I can actually use that um, fantastic one of if I want to swear, you know, I could do this. But... <laughs> Sorry, Alex. Sorry, you asked me a serious question. That's you've what... totally, you've totally derailed the podcast, there, mate. What you could, that's what you get for leaving me to last. You should have thought about that, guys. <laughs> guys, before before you move on, while we're talking about Star Wars apps, just a second. I'm sorry, I'm sorry to cut in. This has no relevance whatsoever. Has, any, has anyone oh. has anyone used the international Darth Vader app? No. No. What on earth is an international Darth Vader? Okay. Report, dare okay. I ask? Let me give you one example, okay? Yes, we're all going to play app sound. Did you hear that? I did. No. Badly. Uh, okay, yeah. I don't know where the microphone is on my arm, I think. Okay, I'll try this one. Was that yeah. Japanese or something? That was that, very well identified. That was the Japanese voiceover for I Am Your Father. There are hundreds of them. Absolutely hundreds of them. It's amazing. Hungarian. There you go. Sorry, that was really random. I just thought while we were talking about soundboards. Finish whilst, whilst we're on, online. Impressive. <laughs> impressive. I'm done with it. <laughs> anyway, anyway, back to the film. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's kind of, it, it's obviously like, I hate saying it, but it's very similar, obviously, to the Rebels plotline <clears throat> with Agent Kavos. Yeah. So, so we, we kind of seen that sort of thing happening very recently in Star Wars, but I, I, I did kind of see it coming because. It, it it was everywhere as a spoiler, like for the two years beforehand. Mm. It wasn't just because I saw it there; it's because everyone had speculated about it. So, 
wasn't a big surprise to me. The way that they dealt with it was a bit of a surprise, and I quite liked. So <laughs> I quite liked the way uh, Richie Grant's Admiral Pride, the way Pride, he just yeah. shot him. I thought that was I quite enjoyed that. I, I must admit that scene kind of took me quite back brutal. a bit. I was a bit like, wow, that's brutal. Yeah, it's brutal. Yeah. I enjoyed that. It was quite a quick end to poor Hawks. <laughs> but I like it because it was like it called out obvious stupidity on his behalf. So I enjoyed that. Yeah. <laughs> it could only well, be. I... So yeah, shoot him. I like it. I, I did like the way though that the, the scene slightly before that where he said to Finn, "Look, you just need to shoot me to make it look more real. Just shoot me in the arm." And he just shot shot him in the leg. I was like, brilliant. That yeah. I, I don't know why, but I really like that scene. It, it, it's what do you think he was aiming for? Well, well, <laughs> if it, if he'd gone slightly more to the left, he might have just killed him. We um, know the bad guys in Star Wars can't shoot accurately. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was well, aiming for something else, and he hit somewhere. Well, considering Finn used to be a stormtrooper. Yeah. Um, He's but, a yeah, stormtrooper. Sorry, you... I've just found the app. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've got it, Dave. You've got it. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's great, isn't it? Sorry. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> so, Alex. <laughs> so, we've been going for an hour and 40 minutes. Um, I doesn't think... know this, but I just muted him. <laughs> <laughs> he knows now. <laughs> um... Oh, come on. <coughs> How did you unmute him? I unmuted myself. <laughs> <laughs> you you may have muted me, but I heard you say I've just muted Dave. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, or you just no, that's not how Andy sounds. <laughs> just stay tuned for the next podcast. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, it's one and it's nearly two hours already. Is this a good place to? That's exactly that's where I was going to go with it. This, the last twenty minutes has descended into absolute chaos, um, thanks oh. to your interruption of a Star Wars app, which, app. to be fair, is actually pretty cool. But anyway, um, I think that is a great place to stop for today, which is literally maybe the first twenty-five minutes of the film. <laughs> I think it, I think it might be less than that. We haven't even talked about Lando yet. It wasn't any like fifty minutes into the film. No, Lando. No, no Lando was. Was yeah, it a bit of another one? Yeah, he was about forty-five Lando minutes in. <laughs> Blink and you'd miss it, Dave. Just like Rose. <laughs> oh right. Oh, it well, was, I, I don't know. Lando had three good scenes. He was good. To be fair. He and was that, a little bit horny for Leia. Dominic, Dominic so, Monaghan. I mean, what the hell was that? What What good was he? Pardon my French. We'll cut that out. I agree with you there. I agree with you there, Mara. That that was one of the stupidest things. You could have had Rose do his scenes, and it would have made more sense. Exactly. I'm like, get off the screen. Go back to being a <laughs> hobbit. Go, yeah. Go, go. Get off, I'm... hobbit. <laughs> but on that note, um, you shall not pass. <laughs> Well, I don't know. Well, we've got we've got Ahsoka flying around as if she's Gandalf in in Rebel. So God knows, it's a nice little crossover there. Oh, but, don't get on me on that later. I know. However, I think this is a good time to draw a close to this part one. Uh, and if it takes an hour and forty five minutes to do twenty five minutes of each film, this is going to be a long, long couple of weeks. Um, but it has been a lot of fun. Uh, it's always good to get around the mic with everybody. Um, 
So I'm going to do a very quick round the room final thoughts, not of the Rise of Skywalker, because we'll leave our final reviews, rake it, rankings, etc., till the end of our final podcast, whatever that may be. <laughs> um, but for now, final thoughts on everything we've discussed today, guys. I'm going to start with Andy. Uh, well, yeah, happy New Year to everyone. First of all, um, been great to get back on the mic. Five uh, minutes of the film sorted. Two hours to go. That's probably another what five episodes. Bring it on. Bring it on. Dave. Final thoughts from you. Oof. I've really enjoyed doing this again. Yeah. It's great to be talking about Star Wars. Great to actually have everybody on the call. On the the podcast recording, mm. however you want to phrase it. Um and it's great that we're all just having a laugh about it. it. It's, yeah, despite us not necessarily all agreeing with every bit of it, and despite us also having questions around some of the decisions made, overall, we're all saying that it was fun and it was good. I, I'd like that. That's a mm. nice, nice way to have a recording. It's a nice way to start the year. It is. Mera, final thoughts from you. I agree with Dave. I mean, and you guys, it's just so fun. It's been a while since we've talked and just laughed about it <laughs> and just enjoy talking about Star Wars. Um, it's, uh, I guess I really don't have much more to add. It's just fun. I'm looking forward to talking all together again. It, all four of you uh, at the same time, it's just a right treat and I know I've said it before but you're a complete delight and whether we're contrary or ranting or laughing it is um, it's amazingly wonderful and fun yes couldn't have said it better myself Mr. Contrary final thoughts from you mate are you brainless? sorry (laughs) (laughs) sorry that's my favourite one Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> do you know what I, I thought you called me Mr Contrary I genuinely thought going into this I would be seem to be quite contrary coming out of it and I've, I've enjoyed being able to constructively debate the points of this film and I think we're kind of all on the same page and, I, and I'm looking forward to seeing how that develops across the rest of the of the timeline of this film okay Final thoughts from me is, yeah, Happy New Year to all of our listeners. It is good to be back behind the mic um, with you lovely lot. And the thing that has just totally occurred to me is that while we need to do the rest of this movie, the next two hours, we also have to talk about The Mandalorian. Um, So I actually think by the time we get finished through The Rise of Skywalker, The Mandalorian might have actually aired in the UK, which is at the end of March. (laughs) Season Um, 2 might have. Season two might have come and on, the Clone exactly. Wars. <laughs> well, the Clone Wars starts in February, so you know February seventeenth, isn't it? There's there's a lot of Star Wars to come. Um, but for me, yeah, final thought is it's good to be back behind the mic with you guys. Uh, hopefully, listeners, you have enjoyed hearing our thoughts, rants, diversions, off topics, things totally unrelated to the movie whatsoever, like Marvel and DC, uh, for the last hour and forty seven minutes, give or take. Um, we will be back with more on The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, don't forget, we are 
the Jedi Council. We are here to talk about everything and anything Star Wars. You can follow us Facebook at uh, TJC the Jedi Council. We are on Instagram as at the Jedi underscore Council underscore TJC. We are on Twitter as at the Jedi Jedi underscore Council. Uh, you can find us at www.the-jedi-council.com. You can find our podcasts. All of our back catalogue is on SoundCloud. You can also find it on the iOS podcast app. We are also on Spotify. We are on player.fm. We are on uh, Podbean. We are on a lot of your regular podcast apps that you may subscribe to. So find us everywhere and anywhere. Interact with us where you can on the social media channels that I've just mentioned. And don't forget, may the force be with you. This is madness. Remember, the force will be with you always. 